Hello, and welcome to the Future of Coding. This is Steve Krauss. So over the past two weeks, I was able to follow through on my plan that I set during this, the last research recap from two weeks ago. I mostly spent the last two weeks reviewing other people's research in this space, uh, including Jonathan Edwards, Elliot Connell, um, Jamie from IMP, I researched Eve, I spent a whole day on Eve, and a bunch of other scattered links. While I was able to be pretty productive over the past two weeks, I did lose a day or two of research to my other project, the coding space, my day job. We are gearing up for the fall, we're trying to teach 400 students a week, and we're going to need about 40 part-time teachers in total. We've hired about 15 or 20 at this point, so I had to do we as a company have to do like 50 or 60 more interviews. So I, I was taking a big chunk of that on my plate. So that took up a lot of my time. But uh, lucky for me, uh, my teammate Sophie is taking that over uh, starting, starting this week. She took that over. So I can get back to focusing on my research, which is great. For a hot second there, I thought I was going to have to put my research on pause for a little bit longer. To, to get that off the ground, but uh, luckily I can stay focused. So let me tell you about uh, some of the research I did. So I met Jonathan Edwards in person in Boston a few weeks ago, and I really enjoyed getting to meet him. Um, I didn't quite realize until I did research in preparation for meeting him how similar his vision and my vision are. Uh, I think really the main difference between he, him and me <laughs> is that he's been doing this for a decade, like a decade longer than I have, uh, which is amazing for me that I can learn from him and, and kind of read his blogs over the past decade and, and use him as a resource. So that's really lucky that I'm, I'm connected with him, that he exists, and that uh, he's been working on this for so long. I was surprised by his manifesto. He has a few different manifestos, but I'm surprised by how each of them are similar to my goals for the future of programming. A decade later. Like, things haven't changed very much in the last decade and the goals uh, for, for people in, who are thinking about the future of programming are pretty similar. One thing I did notice is how much time he spends talking about the other hot new companies and fads and how much time, how much time and energy and headspace those things take up uh, for him. It's easy for me, looking back, to see, oh, that was just a fad, and discount something. But I could see how, for him, fads, you know, are a big deal. You can't tell that they're a fad in the moment. It's, it feels, you know, more like a wave, and, and you want to catch the wave, and everyone you talk to is talking about the wave. So, it, it's it's like impossible to tell that's a fad, or it's, it's very hard. I guess, like right right now, blockchain and AI seems to be hot topics that everyone's talking about. And it's hard to tell. Are they fads? Are they real? Do they have real momentum and weight behind them? My gut is that both of them are overhyped to some degree. I, I don't exactly know what degree. Like, I think blockchain is, is definitely overhyped. I think the ICO craze is insane, and, and there will definitely be a crash at some point soon. 
And then as far as AI, AI goes, there definitely have been, there has been progress, but it doesn't seem to live up to the hype. But I, but I think it's more in line with reality, the AI hype, and the blockchain hype is just gonna, gonna a bit out of hand. But it's hard. I, I don't really know. And, and there are other things. There are other things that I don't, that I, I don't think are fads, but they might be like unidirectional you know, data flow, statelessness, like the React architecture, um, strong types. To me, these things seem great, and and everyone else happens to notice it right now. Uh, but the, but you know who knows? They could be fads. I could be wrong. Another thing I noticed about Jonathan is that he spent a lot spends a lot of his time submitting papers to for to conferences and worrying about the and getting them back and getting rejected and, and worrying about it and and now he, he like you know runs a lot of these conferences and chairs them and reviews other people's papers um, and it's unclear to me what kind of value you get out of that like I said last time in the, in the last research recap after, and when I kind of recapped my trip to Boston I'm not sure if those sort of conference things are kind of my scene or, or that useful to me. Um, I think I can get the value from a conference more a la carte by reaching out directly to people who are interesting to me and asking them more specific questions uh, rather than a more spray and pray approach of going to a conference and talking to random people. So I don't think I'm going to go down that line of inquiry. Um, it's also really interesting to see how much he jumps around, uh, how he changes the name of subtext, and he he has syntax and he has no syntax. He used to work on front end things, on back end things. Uh, it's it's just interesting to see how he jumps around, and there's a lot that I can relate to there. So he has. About a hundred blog posts over the past decade, and I read them all. It took me about a whole day, maybe maybe more. Jonathan spent a lot of time switching languages and frameworks from Java to Scala and back, and JavaScript and Dart, etc. As as I'll talk about in a bit, the Eve guys also switch their runtime and frameworks a lot. Uh, Jamie from Imp also does that. Uh, it seems like. You, could, you can spend a lot of time doing that, waste a lot of time doing that, so I would like to avoid that if possible. I haven't really fallen into that hole. I usually just stick to some flavor of JavaScript to prototype it, and then I decide I don't like the prototype and end things there. Uh, but I guess it's, you're not wasting that much time to rewrite things. So so yeah, he, there are a lot of other specific notes about things Jonathan Edwards worked on that I found interesting, and I have those notes on my website. If you look, I'll link to them in the notes for this podcast, but that's the synopsis. So uh, so after Jonathan Edwards, I moved on to Connell Elliott, who I thought was really interesting, especially as a foil for Jonathan Edwards. Uh, Connell Elliott, he's like a ha- much more of a Haskell guy, and Jonathan Edwards, although he knows about that world, I think he, he said Jonathan Edwards says he used to be like kind of a Haskell guy. Um, Jonathan Edwards now thinks that Haskell is much too much like math, and programming should be more like conversational. Uh, Conal Elliott thinks that beautiful abstractions 
is kind of more the way to go. And so uh, he has some really interesting ideas about how to design things. He has this thing called denotational design that Paul sent me, which I like the idea of, but it also feels a little bit too pie in the sky. For example, I'm thinking about how to design uh, stream sheets, a prototype that I've been thinking about for a little while. And it's, you know, I, I think about the API and the types, uh, about the, the core data structures, and I, I did that, I did some denotational design for that, but at the end of the day, the interface, the metaphors, like the things that are really important to me, I find are hard to articulate from a denotational design perspective. It, it's a useful technique. Uh, I find myself more on the Jonathan Edwards side than the Cornell Elliott side of, of my way of thinking, although I do think there's a lot to learn from the Cornell Elliott side. Uh, I, I read and watched almost everything I could find of his. Uh, in particular, he has this language, uh, Fran, it's like a Haskell animation library, which is super similar to the idea I've had for making an Elm animation library or a um, more reactive Woof version of WoofJS. So that was really exciting. Uh, I think so much of the work I was going to do on that have already, has already been done for me by, by him. So that was really exciting. Uh, one of the things that Connell Elliott said that I really can't get out of my head is that if we do things right, abstractions will constrain us and disable us from getting certain kinds of information or doing certain things. For example, if you have an image and you can do certain computations on that image, you shouldn't be able to know how many computations have done an image because an image plus a computation is still just an image. Um, so it's not an image plus a computation, it's just, you know, it's just another image. So um, part of me likes this because it's, it's a non-leaky abstraction and it allows you to make really cool like optimizations under the hood and it's pure in a lot of ways. But part of me worries that it's too constraining, that you can't build like a metaprogramming system in something like that. Um, part, yeah, part of me worries that I want the metadata. So that's, that, but that's something that I've been thinking about a lot, that, that particular quote. So last Wednesday, I spent the entire day with Eve. I, I've been meaning to do this for a while now because I've been admiring Chris Granger and Light Table on the Eve team for years now. I really love Chris Granger's blog post, Coding is Not the New Literacy. And, I, and the, the whole team, I love basically everything that comes out of those guys' mouths. Mouths, I love every, every everything I've ever seen them do. Um, those guys are definitely my role models in so many ways. So the fact that they have a prototype that's out in the world uh, is, is super exciting. And yet every time I went to go and try and figure it out, I got really confused and stuck and just gave up. I, I don't think I got more than like 20 minutes in and any time over the past like years that Eve has been around and able to, to be played with. So I decided that last Wednesday I'd have put the, the whole day would be reserved for figuring out Eve. And uh, so I did it. I'm very proud of myself, as you can tell, that I, I stuck with it. Uh, and I think I have a better sense of why I had so much trouble uh, sticking with it. All those other times I tried, but didn't reserve the whole day for it. Um, 
it's it's pretty buggy their interface and and it's tricky and and you know they're figuring a lot of things out and they're they're making it better so um, I guess what I'm trying to say is that it's it's bad it's it's not intuitive it's not easy it's um, and it's buggy uh, so it's really 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 hard to learn and get get your um, your head around there are a lot of parts of it that I love those those guys are really smart and and they wouldn't build something bad um, but it's it's super frustrating and uh, and I, I barely made it out alive kind of thing like um, if it was like any buggy or any worse I, like I, I may have even given up even though I reserved the whole day for it um, it took me like a lot of concentration and focus to make it through um, so let me tell you about it a little bit more specifically so um, the, fir the first problem is that their, their quick start tutorial, their like version two that's on their website, is really buggy. So it's unclear when the code is being run and when it's not. Like it's unclear when their code is just, when their interface is not running your code and when your code is just broken. It's entirely not clear. So I did a lot of like adding random enters white space to like get, and then hitting the refresh button and refreshing the page. Just, you know, every time things didn't work, I had to like kind of monkey with everything to make sure that like you know to reset the state on their end to make sure that uh things weren't working because of me and not because of them so that that was that just like multiplied the amount of time it took to get anything done by two or more so that, that was a bummer another uh big bummer that kind of took an hour to figure out is whether or not I, the the version on their website play.withyve.com is version two or three because when you click documentation there's uh, a button that says you know, version two documentation and version three documentation. And I, I didn't know which one it was. Uh, there was no sign anywhere on their website to like help me figure out which version I was using. So I spent a long time reading until I figured out through like kind of inference and process of elim elimination that version two is their website. And version three, you can only use if you like download Eve and, and like install it on your computer and use like your own text editor. So okay, so I figured out that I was on version two on the website. Unfortunately, the docs for version two are very incomplete. There are a lot of like gaps. There are a lot of like sections in their docs, like headings that don't have any text underneath them. So, so, so that, that's a bummer. Um, and you know, it's hard to like Stack Overflow things because there's there really isn't. I, I googled a few questions, but it was hard to find answers. Uh, they they have a Slack group that I, that I saw a link to in their blog. However, when I clicked on the button, it was broken, so I couldn't join their Slack group. That button seems to be fixed now, uh, but it was broken at the time. So I was kind of on my own. They don't really have error messages. When your code is syntactically okay, but things don't really make sense, it just kind of fails silently. So I have to do constant sanity checks. Every change I want to make, I have to make the smallest possible change and work up from there to see when things break. So it's really slow going, especially because their interface is buggy. So I make a small change. If it doesn't work, I have to add random white space to the program, unclick and reclick things, refresh the page to make sure that things are really not working and it's not just their interface that's bugging. So that's probably the biggest thing that slowed me down. I didn't like the set based model of things that was not intuitive to me. 
that you can't have more than one of the same value in a database. I kind of wanted every new thing to have like an, an ID attached to it. So it like, um, so everything was kind of unique implicitly. I guess I could have just made a random number ID on all my data if I wanted to, but it just, that that's, I spent a lot of time with that particular bug. I, I, I wanted to, uh, when you click a button to add something to the page. Um, and I set up that code to work, except the thing that you, I was adding the page is the same. I want to add the same thing to the page every time. And, you, and Eve, you, you can't have two things that are the same in the, in the same set. So nothing was happening. So that was super frustrating. Um, I, it, would, it would solve the problem if they like had some sort of interface to see, to visualize queries a little bit more. Uh, but given that they didn't have that, I had to kind of like print random divs to the screen and, and that was a little annoying. There are other like specific things I didn't like about how the, you have to like specify the database that you're searching in, and there's like if you don't, if you don't even put a database, there's like an implicit database that that it searches in. I couldn't tell what that meant, but they use that in their docs a bunch, so that was confusing. Um, I I basically spent the entire day trying to make a counter work. So you click on a button, and the, and the number inside the button increases the more you click on the counter. Pretty simple. Uh, it took me like five hours to do. Uh, and, you, and you can kind of read through my stream of consciousness. I tried this, didn't work. I tried this, didn't work. Tried this, it didn't work. It goes all the way down. So you can kind of read through that if you want. My my whole experience with Eve. Um, on the positive note, I really liked how everything has a uniform record syntax. Um, it's pretty similar to Lisp in that way. Um, which begs the question, why don't they just use a Lisp syntax? Uh, and it, it turns out there is a closure library that's very similar in style to Eve that I found on the Eve Google group. Uh, and I'll link to that in the notes. I, I really liked how the core data structure is a record and database. You know, everything, it's very like SQL-like, SQL-like, which I'm a big fan of. I really like how the API simplifies everything to either searching or adding things to a database. Now there are two different ways to add to a database. You can either commit or bind. And, you know, I had a lot of trouble with the difference between commit and bind. So if I had my druthers, I'd probably just do commit. And then if you want a bind-like inter like interface, you know, you have to monkey with things or vice versa. You know, like I, th I think they should just be, one should be built in the other. But, um, I really like how they simplified it to really, it's just three things. You're either searching or you're, you're, you're or adding. Um, and then like everything is, is um, a database. So it, it's, it's similar to um, Cycle.js where it's, it's either a source or a sync. Uh, it's very, very straightforward. I really like how, how, that's, how they make it simple that way. So one quote in the Eve Google group that I saw uh, uh, it was, an, it was a, a quote about an aspiration that the Eve team wrote. It says, uh, in Excel, they show the data and hide the formulas. In programming, they show the formulas and hide the data. In Eve, we show both. And I really love that quote as a vision for programming, but uh, Eve doesn't live up to that at this point. Right now, Eve is much, much closer to Python than it is to Excel. Uh, so that's Eve. I sent all this to the Eve team and got back some really nice emails. They, they responded to my individual 
complaints. And like right away, basically the next day, they responded to almost every single one. And they said they're going to improve upon a lot of these things in version 4, which is exciting. And um, hopefully, yeah, they'll, they'll keep working on it and, and you know, get better and better. Those, those guys are really smart and clever and nice and whatnot, so I wish them the best. So then uh, the next day, last week, I did a deep dive into Imp. And so Imp is created by this guy, Jamie. I don't know his last name, but he used to work at Eve. And he has a website called Scattered Thoughts. And so I think I took about two hours to skim through or read his entire development journal for Imp, which happens to be the inspiration for my development journal. So I, even though I hadn't read his development journal until last week, the fact that it existed inspired me to, to, to create my own development journal, which has been super helpful for me. So thanks, Jamie. So I read through his development journal, which was really interesting. He spends a lot of time on like, optimizing his compiler and runtime and making things fast and, and work, which uh, seems a little bit irrelevant to me for the problems that I care about, but um, I think that makes a little bit more sense given what he's concerned about working on. Uh, and then I really loved his website. He had some amazing posts. He had one a post about rock climbing I sent to my co-founder, who and he really liked it. Uh, he, and he had a lot of books. that We've read a lot of books in common, and... Um, and I have some similar ideas about them, and, and there are a lot of books that he's read that I haven't, so I, so I bought like a dozen books after reading, after digging through his website. And um, yeah, I was really impressed by the stuff he was thinking about. So I sent him a long email telling him uh, about all this, about you know how I stalked him on the internet for a few hours. And he wrote back the next day, and um, we're gonna find time later this week to chat. Hopefully I'll get him on the podcast soon. He seems like a good guy. Uh, seems like, you know, maybe I'll make another friend, which is exciting. So then um, Friday and today, I decided to do some research into spreadsheets and streams and start planning out stream sheets. First, I wanted to take Conal Elliott's advice and do the denotational design thing. Think about the interface to streams and what you can do with them, what you can't do with them. That kind of thing. So I did that on Friday mostly, and it was semi-helpful. I, I ha I'll link to um, the pages in my journal that that I have those notes for uh, on on the page for this podcast, so you can check those out. It wasn't ultimately that helpful, but you know it was a good place to start. So then uh, this morning I whipped out some code, which is really fun and exciting. I, um, I'll link to the commit that I, I finished up this morning. So you can see it's, it's pretty bare bones. It's a, a div on the left, like a little section of the screen with a button in it. And I, every element in the page, which is really just the div itself and the button, has a um, event listener attached. And every time any event happens, so it has every event listener attached to like mouse move, mouse enter, mouse leave, focus, click, mouse down, mouse up. Um, anytime any of those things happen, I append it to a spreadsheet on the right side of the page so you can see any of the events that have ever happened. So uh, to, to recap, <laughs> Stream Sheets is a, the idea is 
to uh, model streams as spreadsheets uh, so it lets you kind of be more concrete when you're visualizing the way streams make up your application. So to back up even more, where this idea came from is I want to help people visualize their whole application and how, how it kind of makes itself up and then kind of peel, peel back layer by layer and change things. So I'm like optimizing for understanding uh, of an app and, and how different pieces work and, and being able to modify them quickly. That, that, those are like the things I'm optimizing for. And um, I, I went through a few different design ideas and eventually what I came up with is um, a series of spreadsheets that link to each other um, where each spreadsheet represents a stream. And, and what's cool about representing streams as spreadsheets is that you can kind of see each value for that stream, which will help you realize whether or not the streams you're creating make any sense. Like, you know, you click on a button and you see does that event flow through to the stream you care about. So, so really, um, I'm basing this whole thing off of the Cycle.js architecture. So Cycle.js was created by Andre Saltz someone I've been following for, for many years. I've talked about here before. And I, I'm a big fan of, of his work and the way he thinks. And, and in Cycle, uh, I'm a big fan of Cycle.js Cycle in particular. I spent um, a bunch of time months ago reviewing Cycle.js and Elm, because they, ha they happen to be pretty similar and um, great in their own ways. Uh, so, so this tool, Stream Sheets, is like a a more user-friendly way to develop in Cycle.js. Because in my experience, working in Cycle.js with, with, through code, through typing JavaScript code, was really hard. It took a while for me to get used to it, which Andre warns you of. It, you know, it's, it's, it's a, a steep learning curve, but once you get started with it and get the hang of it and understand kind of what streams are, it becomes easier. And I, I agree with that, and I can see how that would be true, but it's still hard. <laughs> and I wonder if you can make it better with, with, with the stream sheets like architecture. So I made this little prototype, but I was starting to feel like earlier today that I was feeling to, uh, in, in the middle of today after I like finished this first commit on, on the prototype, I was starting to feel like there's so many design choices to make and it's just so daunting to build all the functionality of the Cycle.js framework into a GUI. There's so many decisions to make and each decision would take like so many days to code that I don't want to commit to anything. I, I want an easier way to iterate and prototype on this idea. I almost want, so for example, I think at the end of the day, it'd be really neat if everything could be a spreadsheet. So even the whole page is just a stream of HTML. So, so even the, the page itself, the HTML is represented as a spreadsheet. And then each HTML element, each like, you know, it is a row. And then, the, you know, you can click, you can kind of, and it's like nested rows. So you have like the body and then the body has children. You can like open the children element and, and they, they, they're rows and they, they have children rows. And I think that could all be really neat, but it would take, even just to build the spreadsheet, nested spreadsheet model thing would take a while. You know, maybe there's a library that does that out of the box, but just getting it all right will take a long, long time. So one idea to speed that up is that instead of putting the HTML in a spreadsheet as well, I could just have a, like a template 
language, like a, like a, a function that has all of the other streams in scope and returns like an HTML string, or it's like a JSX type of thing. And you know, whenever you change HTML, it just refreshes the page and hooks things up for you. That seems like a simple way to go, because I don't really care about, right now I don't care about whether or not visualizing HTML in a nested spreadsheet is gonna work. That's kind of, the core thing I'm trying to see is whether or not thinking about streams as spreadsheets with that visual metaphor will be a intuitive way to, to do stream algebra to make a user interface. So just extending that idea of like, what's the minimum, what's the minimum viable product to see if stream combinators is an intuitive way to build and understand your code. Well, so the minimum interface to that is CycleJS itself, which already exists and it's pretty great in a lot of ways. I just think it could be made, could be made more intuitive. So I, I, I Googled CycleJS, I was reading the documentation again, you know, re-familiarizing myself with it. And then I saw that the CycleJS dev tools exists. And I knew that exists, but I, I watched the video of how that works and I was really kind of blown away. The, the CycleJS dev tools are amazing. So you, you write your app in CycleJS like you normally would, and somehow, it seems magic to me, it picks apart all of the stream combinators that you use. You know, if you, if you map a stream to another stream, if you merge streams, whatever you do, and it represents it as a, as a data flow diagram with nodes and edges. And, and then as the, event, as the events happen in the streams, it like animates through the graph. It like, so you can see your data flowing through, which is pretty amazing. That solves most of the things that, I, that Stream Sheets is trying to solve. And, I, and Andre makes it very clear in, in the talk where he introduces the Chrome DevTools for CycleJS, this data flow diagram, he makes it clear that the point of CycleJS is so that people can understand their code from like a macro perspective. They don't have to piece it together puzzle piece by puzzle piece with a debugger. They can just zoom out, boom, there's a, there's a structure of the code automatically generated for you. And, and he killed it, I'm like so impressed. Um, but one thing that this doesn't do is it doesn't let you create a user interface in this way. It doesn't let you, it, it doesn't make creating it easier, it makes understanding it and debugging it easier. And those are different things. So I continued to do some research and I found that on um, Andre's talk for CycleConf 2017, he has a bullet uh, underneath the future of Cycle, CycleJS uh, the bullet says CycleJS DevTools as an IDE. And I think that's exactly what StreamSeats is trying to be. CycleJS DevTools as an IDE. And so that's what I started to think about. Like, holy crap, what if this was a two-way data binding to CycleJS code? Like, what if you could turn any CycleJS code into StreamSeats and any StreamSeats into CycleJS code? What if they, they compiled to each other? That would be unbelievably cool. So um, because I have talked to Andre before, I shot him an email. Um, he, he, we met, I sent him an email, asked for, for help, and he says that he, um, he worked on, Co on Code Mentor, like a platform where you can pay people to, to get help with different projects. And I think his rate is $120 an hour. Uh, and, but you could, you could book at the 15 minute increment, I think. So uh, we met for like a half an hour maybe like a year ago and had a great conversation and, and we emailed back and forth a few times since then he I just he's so great and to me it feels like magic that I can just send him an email 
and like buy his time for $120 an hour. It just, it feels like such a bargain. He's just such a genius and he's so nice. And, um, and yeah, I, I just feel so blessed that I could shoot him an email and he res responds right away like he did today. So I, I sent him an email about some of these questions and said, would you have time to talk? And he said that he would like to talk, but he has um, a bunch of conferences in the next few weeks. So he, he can't talk until uh, not this Friday, but the following Friday, September 8th, um, which I understand, you know, he's, he's a busy guy. Um, so I sent him uh, two questions to see if he could answer them in the meanwhile over email, if he has time, and I'll, I'll pay him for his time um, that, that, he, that he takes to write the, write the responses over email. Um, but if not, I'll just put this prototype on hold for the next two weeks and work on other things. Um, but, but if he responds, that'd be amazing. The, the questions I asked are, um, number one, what does he mean by CycleJS DevTools as an IDE? Does he mean a data flow point and click generator tool? Is it gonna be similar to NoFlow? You know, does he have more thoughts on this that are articulated somewhere else on the web that he can point to? Or can, can he like kind of write a paragraph or two or three for me to like articulate what, what, he, what he's thinking about there? Because I want to see how similar our thoughts are there. Um, I would love to work with him. If our, if our thoughts line up, oh my goodness, that'd be such a dream to, to be able to collaborate with Andre on this kind of an idea. And then the second thing I asked him for was a little bit more technical. I asked him if you could help walk me through the Cycle.js Chrome DevTools code. I spent like 20 minutes poking around, seeing like how it figures out, how it like inspects the code to, to figure out um, the different nodes and edges of the graph. It's not entirely clear to me how that metadata is stored and kept track of. I, I have a, a, a semblance of an idea, but I wasn't, I wasn't feeling great about it. So if he could point me in the right direction, that would save a lot of time. So I'm excited to see if he can respond to that email but before I talk to him um, on September 8th. Yeah, assuming if he doesn't get back to me, I have other things to research. They don't feel particularly pressing, but they're, they're things that I do want to spend time with. So might as well do that now while I have the time. Jonathan Edwards sent me a long paper that I want to get, get back to him on. Um, there's like a bunch of Alan Kay, Brett Victor stuff that I, I can just jump into a hole for. Yeah, my, my list of links, it just goes on for days at this point. So, so I have plenty of things to do if he doesn't get back to me. And if he does, I'll, you know, we'll, we'll see what he says and we'll, and we'll go from there. I have six days in this next cycle before my next research recap. I have uh, Wednesday, Friday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then Monday again. So six days, um, which I'm excited about. I think I'll, I'll be productive. The, the one thing that could disrupt that is I want to spend some time refactoring the WoofJS database. So as I've talked about before, WoofJS is a programming language uh, and IDE platform that my students use. And there are a few thousand students around the world who use it. Uh, and it's pretty great and I'm, I'm very proud of it. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm really excited to build a social network aspect to it so kids can share and like and comment on each other's games. I think that might give it give some real legs and help it, uh, with the virality of it. But in order to make that happen, I have to kind of refactor the Firebase database so that things are more normalized. So, so we can query for things uh, and not pull like 
all the data. Just, you know, I have to separate the metadata from the data. So um, I'm, gonna pl I'm planning to do that on Thursday of this week, but that might bleed over to Friday of this week, which would, would give me one less day of research. Um, but, I, but that is an acceptable risk. So uh, I'll get back to you on that. Um, looking forward for, in the, into the future for this podcast, I got some two really exciting ones that I'm taping this week. Paul Chisano of Unison and Pete Hunt from uh, React and now Smite. Uh, yeah, those guys are really amazing. So Paul and I have become close friends. Uh, I've actually uh, decided to angel invest and be an advisor to his company, Unison. I think he's just so smart and such a great guy and he's got a great plan. And I'm just so excited to be able to help him run at it and go change the world. Uh, I'm really excited for Paul. And then and Pete is really cool. Um, he helped make React.js a thing, helped popularize it. Um, I Some of his early videos are what got me hooked on React. I think like early 2014, maybe even late 2013, I like, you know, was obsessed with React.js and was telling everybody that it's going to be the future when Angular was the hotness. And I'm very, very proud to be ahead of my time on that one a little bit. Uh, so uh, I'm excited to have Pete on the podcast to talk about user interfaces and the future of programming. That'll be a great conversation. And then uh, tomorrow, tomorrow morning, I am finally going to publish this podcast and research project, futureofcoding.org, to the masses. Up until this point, I've kind of been talking into the void. I haven't really been sharing it with anybody. It's all been public, but nobody's really been looking at it because nobody knows that it exists. But starting tomorrow, at least some people will know that it exists, and we'll get to see if anyone cares or pays attention. Um, I am mostly doing this for myself, as you might be able to tell. Uh, this Everything I do is very stream of consciousness. My journal is, this podcast is, everything's not very lightly produced, and mostly just for me to think my own thoughts get them out there. So if you don't listen, that's that's fine too. Um, but I, I, I do really like it when people reach out. It, it makes me really happy. I, I like making friends uh, who are smart and hardworking and nice and, and, and care about these things. So if you read some of my stuff or listen to some of my podcasts and have ideas, please reach out. Uh, I really feel good when people do that. So it would, it would make me happy to hear from you. So that's it for this week, and um, I will we'll talk to you guys all soon. Bye.